I know what it's like not to be free. I know what it's like to be free. And I now know what it takes to be free. You can be free, and you can live free with divine immunity. Welcome to freedom, becoming fully alive. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time, for this glorious occasion. Our eyes are on you, Lord, and I pray you'll open our hearts today, Lord. You'll open our eyes to see, to see who the real enemy is, to see what's really going on, to see how we can be a part of the solution, to understand the place of immunity, to live and thrive in you, Lord, because you are our shelter. You are our high tower. You are our place of immunity. So we commit this time to you today, Lord. I pray it'll be a, a transforming time, a faith-building time, an encouraging time, a freeing time for your glory, for your honor. And we pray this, Lord, trusting and knowing that you want to do more <laughs> above and beyond what we can even think or pray to ask. Bless each heart body, relationship, and family here in Jesus' name. Amen. So glad you're here today. This is the third in a three-part series that has been entitled Free from the Web of Relational Demonics. A bit of a play on words, if you will, because relationship has dynamics. But we're talking about demonics if and as that applies. As usual, the emphasis is always on taking personal responsibilities. Responsibility. If we are wrong, if we have failed, if we have sinned, the Lord wants repentance to lead the way. Obedience to lead the way. But we're in a war zone. So if and as the enemy is in the picture, harassing, oppressing, attacking, sliming, contaminating, we have the authority as sons and daughters to do something about that. And we can do it with confidence. After the first of the year, we're going to step into part two, and that'll be entitled Getting Your Whole Heart Back. So freedom will go on. We're so glad you've been a part of this three-part series that we are taping so if it's been a blessing to you or you think it might be to somebody else, talk to us about that and we can take care of getting some tapes to you. Let me begin by reading a scripture today, Psalm 91. Psalm 91. It's in your outline in an abbreviated form, but let's read that today as we talk about living free with divine immunity. I'm going to read from the NIV. Perhaps you have a different version, but I'll be reading from the NIV. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save me from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall, at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked if you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge. Then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, and you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. 
He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. What is divine immunity? Well, divine immunity isn't a place, it's a person. And it has to do with our relationship with that person. As we look at the word immunity, what does it mean? It means freedom or exemption from penalty, burden, duty, or evil. Divine immunity, having to do with our relationship with the living God, relates to freedom from penalty and the burden of sin, delivered from the duties of legalistic religion, man's attempt to reach God, and protected and victorious over the assault of the evil one. Simply stated, a spiritual fortress in Christ that protects us from the attacks of the devil. I'm here to convince you today that we can live there. We can live in that person. <laughs> I'll say place, but it's a person. We can live with divine immunity. It doesn't mean we'll never be attacked because we're in a war zone. It doesn't mean we'll never be contaminated or get contaminated. Even trying to help someone, even trying to minister to someone. It doesn't mean even in that context there won't be a backlash because the devil hates us. We're a threat. When we were running our lives, we were going with the flow of self, and we weren't any threat to the enemy. We were just going along with his attitude that manifested years ago. He's the rebel, capital R. He wanted to be as the Most High. He's pride, capital P. And when we act like him and have attitudes like him, ungratefulness, pride, unforgiveness, selfishness, me first, poor me, he loves it. And I don't know whether you've thought about this or not, but demons are so diabolically perverted that when it comes to sins of the heart or sins of the body, it's like they, the picture that comes to me is that it's like they want to put a saddle on us and go along for the ride, and they love the sexual perversion. It's like they've got a saddle on us, they got their spurs on, and they love the sexual immorality. They love the pride. They love the idolatry. They love the pettiness. They love the gossip. It's like if we could see and hear them at those points, they'd say, keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. You're gratifying me. You're making me feel so good. Yes, yes, yes. Do you know that when we sin, we gratify darkness? If we gratify our flesh, we're gratifying demons. They love it. They love it. They love sin. It gratifies them. It feeds them. Do you want to do that? I don't. But that's a picture of what's going on. We have in Jesus Christ a place and a person of divine immunity. It's for those who fear the Lord. As it says in Psalm 31, and this is in your outline, Psalm 31, 19 and 20, how great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from the intrigues of men. In your dwelling, you keep them safe from accusing tongues. Who's the accuser? Who is the accuser of the brethren? It's Satan. Satan and his terrorist demon band, they are the accusers. Is there an assignment of accusation on your life? Do you find that you tend to not be thought well thought of? Have you lost favor? 
Are people not believing the best? Oh, yes, that can operate at a flesh level. But is there a demonic assignment to discourage you and to defeat you and to get you to give up because it seems like you're always being accused? Well, who is behind that? It's the accuser of the brethren. Who has been cast down, as it says in Revelation? The place of immunity, the person of immunity, the high tower, the refuge, the shelter, the defense, the shield is in Jesus Christ and our relationship with him as we walk in humility and the fear of the Lord. Where he is the reason we do what we do or don't do. We realize what's at stake. We realize that we cannot afford to knowingly sin. We cannot afford to knowingly have issues of the heart that are unresolved. It's like cancer. We don't want one cell, one speck to be there to spread. It's deadly. It can be in the physical realm, and it surely will be in the soul. Because the more this cancer spreads, the more deceived we become. That is why it is so deadly. Because the enemy doesn't take us on and try to match up authority against authority. Because he knows he's defeated. He's no match for the living God and the authority of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He will not take us on head to head. Authority against authority. Because he knows he is defeated. He is a created being that went bad. A created being who belled, rebelled. It's not a black God, white God war. It's one God, the living God. Created beings, angels who fell. Who rebelled? Satan and many others that followed him. Created beings that went bad. Let's look at Psalm 32. Verses 6 and 7. Therefore, let everyone who is godly, those who fear the Lord are godly, pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Divine immunity against witchcraft. And as we shared last week, witchcraft is. Witchcraft is. And if you have last week's outline, you can refer back to that. If you don't, I'll go ahead and read that. But witchcraft, spiritual witchcraft, is operating with a spirit other than the Holy Spirit to dominate, manipulate, and control. It can start off as a deed of the flesh, as it's mentioned in Galatians 5, 19 and verses following with nary a demon around. But those demons, don't meet, they don't need much encouragement. If there's some dead, stinking flesh in the field, like a dead cow, those vultures spot it pretty quickly. If we're operating with counterfeit authority, if we are misusing the authority we are, that we've been given positionally, if we're using and abusing and misusing and manipulating and controlling, oh yeah, it might start off, God knows it might start off as an issue of sin and flesh, but it won't be long. And it will be energized in a wrong way <laughs> by forces of evil. So as we said last week, we certainly don't want to be participants. We certainly don't want to be practitioners. We certainly don't want to be used of the enemy that way. What is the place of immunity in relationship to those who are? Which, at the same time, will help us not be a practitioner as well as we apply these things. 
Matthew 5.44, bless those who curse you. Walk in humility in the fear of the Lord, delivered from, delivered from and sheltered from the effects of curses, confusion, and disorientation. I have a question for you tonight, this morning rather. Is there any confusion in your life? Are you prone toward confusion? Are you prone toward disorientation in these days? You know, sometimes confusion is a simple matter of realizing that more than one thing is true, and uh, what's going on just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't add up, and it just doesn't fit. So we say, this is confusing. Sometimes the solution to confusion is just to realize more than one thing is true at the same time. It doesn't fit. It doesn't add up. It doesn't have to. But then, sometimes there's a cloud because of, a, because of an attack of a spirit. There's a heaviness. There's a cloud of confusion. There's a dullness. There's a sapping of strength, a dehabilitation, those kind of things. We need each other. Even as we've talked in past weeks about this, I hope that you don't try to do this alone, but you get involved with others, that you relate with transparency to those that you know and trust. And it doesn't mean you'll never get slimed. It doesn't mean you'll never be tempted. It doesn't mean you'll never be contaminated. But as we walk in humility in the fear of the Lord, where we agree with God, even if everything seems to be screaming out against it, we agree with God. And we don't want that leadership vacuum to be on the inside. We certainly don't want to be loving the things of the world, me first, the me first attitude. We don't want a vacancy there. We want to fill our lives with the right stuff, the right one. Because if you've got a vacuum, if you've got a vacancy, if you've got an openness, if, if things are unsettled in you as to where you are with God, if it's unsettled in you as to who you're going to live for, if it's unsettled in you that you'd be willing to die for him, I mean, think about that. Let's settle it at the extreme. A day may come when we're still alive. The day will come, according to the Bible, but the day may come while we're still alive where you will be forced or you'll be faced with having to renounce your faith or get your head cut off. Now, is anybody excited about getting their head cut off today? Probably not. But let's settle it at the extreme. Are you willing? Are you willing to die for Jesus physically? Some of, some of us may rise up and say, oh, I'd be willing to die for him. Now he's saying, and if you can say yes to that, here's the follow-up question. Are you willing to die daily? Give up the right to yourself. Deny yourself. Not always be on your mind. Realize you are always on his mind and have him always on your mind. And that'll be the place of fellowship and intimacy. Oh, yeah, we've got to let it all go, don't we? We've got to let the opinions of others go. We've got to let peace at any price go. We've got to let fear of man go. We've got to let all idolatry go. Somebody's opinion being too important. A standing or a status, a promotion, fairness. We've got to make sure we repent of kneeling at the altar of fairness or kneeling at the altar of what we think is right. Because that sense of justice rises up in us and we want to see that it's made right and we want the other person to say they're wrong and ask for forgiveness. And we realize if we take a closer look, it's, oh yeah, we say it's for God, but it's, it's partly for me too to satisfy something in me that wants satisfied. I want to be satisfied that you think you're wrong. I want to be satisfied that you're sorry. I want to be satisfied that you'll ask for forgiveness. I want to be satisfied that this gets that this gets taken care of. I want the elephant and the hippopotamus out of the living room. I want reality, and I want everybody to say they see it and take the responsibility. If we settle it at the extreme, they don't have to. 
because the fact that Jesus knows and we know that he knows and that he's going to take care of us and all he is concerned about as it relates to us is our response to him and our attitudes and our actions, our humility before him and the walking in the fear of the Lord because he's the reason. And even if it's unfair, settled at the extreme, everybody is accusing you. Nobody wants you. Nobody wants you around. Nobody appreciates you. You don't belong. You don't fit. Settle at the extreme. You fit in him. As a son or a daughter. Settle it there. Now keep in mind, on our way to that reality is a process. If you are not there today, embrace the process. Don't fight the process. And start or continue to come to freedom after the first of the year. Because if there's an arrow in you, after we're done today, if, you've still, if you still have some arrows in you, it's curable. You can be free. The arrow of pride can go. Every arrow is dipped in the arrow of pride anyway because it's me first. Rejection, shame, fear, they can go. You can be free and you can live free. I will not settle for anything less. Will you? But I will embrace the process and I'll embrace the reality that I live in a war zone, so I'm not going to set a standard that I never get slimed, never get contaminated, never get tempted, and never fail. I know what it's like not to be free, but I know what it's like to have a revelation of my sonship, and I want that for you. Your daughterhood, knowing who you are and why you're here, and that everything does work together for good for those who love God. And there will be testings, and there will be trials, and there will be unfairness, and there are demons, and there is murder, and there is death, and there is loss. But who is our God, and who is our desire, and who is our passion, and who is our delight? All those things, all these things are giving opportunity for us to choose. We're choosing all the time. Not to choose is still a choice. <laughs> A non-choice is still a choice. Passivity is still a choice. Inactivity is still a choice. Oh, this is good. This is good. If we'll embrace it, it is good because of the good that he wants it to be. I'm, never, I'm not saying that God knows my future. I know what it's like to be slimed. I know what it's like to have that confusion. I know what it's like to have that disorientation. But it's like, I know what it's like to live in the place of immunity. I, it's, it's, like a, it's almost like having a sense that you're bulletproof. But, but yet, don't misunderstand that. I'm not presuming. I'm not saying that I've arrived. I'm not saying that I'm not still in process as we all are. But there's that kind of confidence of, of the high tower, the place of safety, and an awareness and a reality. Part of it is what I said last week. We've got to admit to ourselves, even those that are, re that are respected, even those that have positions of high positions of authority, we've got to be honest with God, not to gossip, not to slime them, not to talk behind their back in an unloving way, but we've got part of this, we, we must agree with God as to how people are living around us, not to indict them, not to judge them, but if somebody's operating out of a, a Jezebel spirit or witchcraft, agree with God. We've got to agree with God on that between the Lord and us at least, and say, I think they're operating in witchcraft here. I think they're manipulative. I think they're controlling. I don't think they want to be. I forgive them. I don't need to tell the world what I think, but I've got to agree with God in this because that's part of, if I don't do that, I'm going to unnecessarily get clouded and slimed. As you agree with God, it's the place of humility and the fear of the Lord. I mean, this, what I've just shared with you has been transformational in my life. You know, the Lord wants to give us discernment. You know, the Lord wants to show us more. It's kind of like a twofold example comes to mind. Have you been prompted by the Holy Spirit? And part of the reason I have the fear of the Lord to obey the Lord with his promptings, because the, 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 the impression I have is he, he wants to show me so much. He wants to direct my, la my life personally. But if I hear a prompting and then don't act on it, it's like he's saying, Steve, and you want me to show you more? 
You want me to show you more, and you're not going with the divine impressions that I'm giving you. Steve, I'm not mad at you. Steve, I'm, I'm not down on you. I'll just have somebody else go see that person. I'll just go have somebody else call them. I'll just go have somebody else lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. But I want you to do it. I'm inviting you to do it. If you don't, I'll get somebody else. No offense, no problem. I love you. I'm thinking, I don't want to miss out. I want to obey you. I want to join you in what you're doing. I've got the fear of the Lord on this. And so it is with the example that I just gave. Is that, oh, can it be that person is operating out of witchcraft? That person is influenced by a Jezebel spirit? Well, you know, it's not like I've got to tell anybody. It's not like I've got to talk about it. It's not like I have to talk behind their back and try to put them in a bad light, but I think it's happening. And I think the Lord's giving me discernment. Now, keep in mind that whatever discernment the Lord gives us, he doesn't want us to misuse that. We see in part, but what will we do with the part we see? If you want to see more, act on the part. Believe the part. Hold the part loosely, of course. Begin to, begin to move in it. But he wants to give us more. He wants us to see more. Do you want to see more or do you want to see less? I want to see more. But the reason I want to see more is not just for my benefit. Oh, look what I get to see. Oh, man, alive. This is one. No, it's always because of love and being a part of the solution. It's always to be a part of what God's doing for the good of others and for the glory of God. But do you want to have discernment? Then don't shy away from the discernment that maybe he's trying to give you. And that doesn't mean you're going to see perfectly. That doesn't mean you're infallible. But I think it's a big hurdle for some of us to admit to ourselves that some people around us could actually be influenced in this way. I have shared my experience as I have admitted to myself that they are. It's been freedom to me. Freedom! And I didn't have less love for them. I had more compassion for them. That's the irony of it. It wasn't an indictment. Oh, man, they got a spirit of witchcraft. I respect them less now. I think less of them now. I'm down on them now. I think I'll just throw them away and disown them. No, 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 no. I'm invited to be a part of the solution because I don't want them to be hindered. So it's the Lord's heart. The Lord wants to speak. The Lord wants to do things. The Lord wants to do more than we can think or ask or pray. But let's lean into this and let him show us the things he wants to show us and give us the revelation he wants to give us for his purposes, for his glory, and for the benefit of others always, and for our benefit too because we're sons and daughters. Part two, put on the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness or despair. That's referenced in Isaiah 63. Isaiah 100, excuse me, Psalm 100, verse 4, says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. I cannot, I mean, all of this is important or I wouldn't be mentioning it. And I'm quoting the word of God. But in addition to humility and the fear of the Lord, a lifestyle of praise and thanksgiving will revolutionary, re revolutionize your life. And it will definitely, it definitely will contribute to the place and person of immunity. I'm not just talking about as needed, oh, I'm down and depressed, and okay, now I'll play the praise and thanks card. Now I'll activate that, I'll push that button, and I'll feel better. See, in other words, only do it when it, as needed. No, 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 not in response to a sliming or an attack. Not in response to a counterfeit spirit, a sorrowing spirit. And I'll explain more about that in a moment. But a lifestyle, a lifestyle of praise and thanksgiving. Will that get you out of yourself? Will that be opposite spirit countering the flesh? Because we have been so grooved, and we brought those grooves into the kingdom. We were transferred from the kingdom of darkness into God's kingdom of love, the son of love. And we came with our grooves, our flesh grooves, if you will. A new creation, but we've still got those flesh grooves, the propensity to get our, our appetite satisfied. And even tempted in a non-God-approved way. 
for some of us, grooved for self-pity, grooved to look at the empty part of the cup, grooved to gossip, grooved to be negative instead of optimistic, grooved in different ways. God wants to fill those grooves, those ruts, with the oil of his Holy Spirit, heal them inside out so they eventually disappear. But even as we're faced with those grooves, those become opportunities for us to exercise faith muscles in response to the grooves. So don't despise the grooves and don't say the grooves are who I am. The enemy wants you to think that. Oh, the grooves are who you are. You are gossip. You are lust. You are ungratefulness. That's who you are. It's on your radar screen. If it wasn't who you are, you wouldn't be thinking it. You wouldn't be feeling it. You wouldn't be messing with it. It is who you are. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you're kidding? So, if I can say it this way, give thanks for the grooves. Because the grooves are your personalized opportunity to draw closer to God. And exercise faith in response to the word of God that relates to you, because they're your grooves. Some of us may say, well, that's just my cross to bear. I just have that temptation. I just have that tendency. Well, maybe we do, but that is not what it means by your cross to bear. When the Bible says, take up your cross daily and follow him, it's not talking about a problem person in your life. It's not talking about a besetting sin. It's not talking about a season of trial. It's talking about appropriating the life and resurrection of Jesus Christ who now lives in you, and you're dead to sin and alive unto God in heaven to come and a son or daughter now and forever. That is appropriation. Take up your cross. Be reminded Daily. Renew your mind daily. Have him always on your mind. Take up your cross daily and appropriate the benefits of the blood and the cross and the resurrection daily, daily, daily. Lifestyle. What is this sorrowing spirit all about? I can remember praying for somebody once uh, where this was application. It's been a part of my experience more than once, but I think of a time that curiously lines up exactly with this example that I'm giving. As I prayed for this person that day, they'd had a lot of loss. They'd had the death of a loved one. They'd been under attack of the devil. And they had uh, what they called a grief. There was such a grief about them, you know, such a sorrow. And, and the Lord spoke to my heart, and I know it was a word, it was a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. And, I, and the word was, this is a counterfeit sorrow. There was much to be sorry about, interestingly enough, because of the losses that I just mentioned. So logic would say, come on now, this person's had a lot of losses. The fact that they're sorrowing, the fact that they're grieving makes sense. Steve, what's the problem? Where's your compassion? That wasn't the issue. The issue was God gave me eyes to see, and I saw it clearly. This is a counterfeit. So we talked, I listened, I cared. And of course, the implication of the counterfeit wasn't to say you shouldn't have grieved, you shouldn't have been grieving the loss of this loved one. The implication wasn't to invalidate sorrow, grief, and grieving and mourning. But I, I knew it was the Lord. This is a counterfeit spirit. The minute I said it, the person said, you're right, that bears witness with me. I prayed. They joined with me. We took authority. And the way he described it, he said, when you prayed immediately, it, he said it was just, it was so tangible. It was like a cloak, a mantle of heaviness lifted off of me. Here it is, a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness the garment of praise, focusing on the Lord, exercising his authority, seeing the counterfeit for what it is, humility and the fear of the Lord, exercising your authority as a son or a daughter, and let's get this counterfeit cloak of a sorrowing spirit off in Jesus' name. Did he cry after that on some of the same losses? Of course. 
Did he grieve? Did he still mourn because of some of those losses? Yes, that was a part of it. But it wasn't a debilitating uh, grief. It wasn't pulling him down. It wasn't depressing him. It wasn't drowning him. Because there's comfort for those who mourn in a, a way that God wants us and we need to mourn. Blessed are those that mourn, as it says in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5. Which, what it's talking about there, by the way, is blessed are those who mourn over their sins and the sins of others, for they shall be comforted. The Lord wants to comfort. If we have a godly mourning, a godly grieving, a godly process that's going somewhere toward forgiveness, toward resolution, toward release, toward relief, toward freedom. God's blessing that. God wants to encourage that. God wants to bless those who mourn in that way. But this person that I just referred to, it was a counterfeit grief. It was a counterfeit sorrowing spirit. It was pulling him down. He was experiencing uh, confusion as well. Thoughts of condemnation, thoughts of failure, thoughts, thoughts of, and feelings of failure and hopelessness, which has got the earmarks of the enemy all over it. Because the living God is the God of hope, not hopelessness. Put your hope in God. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Psalm 42, verse 5. So as a part of living in the place of divine immunity, not only a lifestyle of humility and the fear of the Lord, where there are no other gods before him. And we do not love the world and the things that are in the world. We love people, but we don't love the world's think. The world's think, the world's mindset is me first. Have it, you deserve a break today. You owe it to yourself. Have it your way. Me, 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 me. What suits you? Convenience. All of that. Me, me, me. I'm always on my mind. No. He wants to always be on our mind. And then along with that, praying without ceasing. <clears throat> Praise and thanksgiving. Cultivating that. You've heard, it say me, you've heard uh, me say this recently. I see a direct correlation between happiness, happiness, and gratitude. Happy is the person who's grateful. And the grateful person is a happy person. You can't separate the two. Happy are the people, blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. I'm more motivated than ever to cultivate the fear of the Lord, humility, praise and thanksgiving, a thankful heart in my life than ever. Because I see these are the facilitators, these are the cultivators of living and thriving, aliving, <laughs> fully aliving <laughs> in the place of immunity. No matter what the resistance. Oh yeah, there'll be plenty of opportunity. You see, I think we sometimes misunderstand the things that happen here on planet Earth. We know better, but I think we kind of have a, 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 a resonant idea, kind of a preconceived notion that life isn't supposed to be hard. And I think, especially after we come to the Lord, we think, well, it's supposed to be better now. It's supposed to be easier now. But we, what we miss is, is what God is up to. We, let's, let's be honest about it. Because of the fall, because of a battle in the heavenlies, because we live in a war zone, now heaven to come, Christ in us, the hope of glory, but we live in a hellhole. No offense. I mean, I'm not saying you are hellholes. I'm saying we live in a hellhole. I mean, this is a hellhole. Now, there's bright spots. There's pockets of grace, aren't there? There's manifestations of light, aren't there? There's peaceful regions, aren't there? And there are people that are becoming fully alive, true. But there's demons, and there's angels. There's terrorists. But this is a war zone. There is sickness. There is death. There is temptation. There is sin. We are learning. We are, be, we are being prepared for eternity. Even as eternity is already in our hearts, our hands are being trained for war. What do you think? I mean, we know better, but what was it supposed to be? Well, you come to the Lord, and 
You're a Christian now, you're a son or a daughter now, and God is now going to make sure that it's not too tough on you anymore. And you're going to live your 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 years, and then you get to go to heaven, but he's going to protect you in such a way, he'll protect you from having to go through certain things. Well, believe it or not, he is protecting us from going through certain things, and you're thinking, man, alive, if he's protecting me from certain things, wow, I'm sure glad he is. Because if he wasn't, I can't imagine what it would be like. But he's going to protect us from, and he's going to protect us in and through. The in and through. The in and through is the glorious, joyful challenge. And it's important that we see the in and through for what it is, and the benefits for the in and through. I'm not saying we have to love problems. I'm not saying that we have to like it. Oh, good. I'm glad I'm sick. Or in the case of Chris Beecham, our hearts break about the recent diagnosis. Why do they break? Because we love them and we don't want them to have to face it again. God, in his infinite wisdom, is allowing it to happen. He knows what he's doing, our part Obviously, we need the mind of the Lord for those that are going through difficult times. You know, what they probably don't need to hear most right now is all things work together for good, you know, for those who love God. You know, it's true, though, isn't it? It's true, but that probably shouldn't be our leading approach and message to them right now. Probably the most effective thing we can say, if we say anything at all, is we're so sorry, we love you. We're praying for you, and uh, we just care. And uh, you're always on our minds in prayer. That's probably the best thing you can say for somebody that's just got some bad news. You know, I think sometimes we feel like we've got to say something. Sometimes the best thing we can say is nothing at all and just give them a hug. And if we cry because we really feel that grief, then our tears and our hug might say more than we could put into words. But sometimes we feel like we've got to say something. And usually when we try to say something, we don't say that which is the most life-giving. But the Lord knows our hearts, and he's, he loves our hearts. He loves our willingness. May we increase in wisdom, though, in terms of how we can be a blessing to others. Receiving God's perfect love, reveling in our Father's love, delivered from and sheltered from fear. <clears throat> Don't resist the love of God. Now, if you're around me, I'm going to tell you, you're wonderful. I'm going to tell you, he's rejoicing over you with singing. You're going to hear me say, Ed, are you reveling in the Father's love? And if Ed or Ted or someone else, Marilyn or someone else, they're thinking, well, I don't know about that. Uh, no, it's not, it's not about me. It's not because I'm saying it. It's not like you owe me an explanation. But I, I'm going to really express what I really, really believe is on the Father's heart. Now, it won't help us if we resist. I'm not talking about resisting me. It won't help us if we resist reveling. But I think some of us, it, it's like we won't, let us, we, won't, we won't allow our guard down. We, we won't allow that. We, we, because we've got some resonant ideas, we've got some strongholds of thought as to what's true about us, and this whole thing of him reveling over us is like a foreign language, does not compute, does not make sense, does not equal my life's experience, isn't real to me, so if it's not real to me, how can I revel in his love? Doesn't it have to be real to me, and then I'll revel in his love? Here's what I would ask you to do. Just like it says in Luke, the fifth chapter, they'd been fishing all night, Jesus said, throw it out on the other side of the boat. Throw the nets out on the other side. And Peter said, we've, we've been fishing all night, but we've caught nothing. But on the ground of your word, we will do it. They did it, and the nets were filled with, a, filled with fish to the point of breaking. Zephaniah 3.17, Gloria, he's rejoicing over you. He's spinning around, Gloria, E-X-U-L-T. He's jumping up and for, down for joy. It's true, Gloria. It's true, John. Enter into it. Enter into it. Let yourself 
Surrender to his love, if I can say it that way. Oh, yes, his lordship. Oh, yes, his rule. Yes, but surrender to his love. And don't set a standard that it's got to be real before you revel. Surrender to his love. Abandon to your love. Give it. That takes giving up control, doesn't it? That takes coming against it in the opposite spirit because fear is screaming out. Shame is screaming out. The arrows are stuck in us. But I believe part of living in this place of immunity is the arrows don't define me. I want them out, but they're not going to define me while they're still in there. And I'm going to come against this in the opposite spirit. I'm going to let myself go. And it's not a lack of integrity. It's not a lack of sincerity. It's, he loves me. His word says so. On the ground of his word, I'll revel. On the ground of his word, I'll abandon. On the ground of his word, I'll surrender to his love. On the ground of his word, I'll let him love me. And then he'll make it more real, and then I'll revel more. And it'll snowball that way. We've got to come against this in the opposite spirit. Sometimes I think we set the standard of thinking, okay, I know I've got a problem. I'm stuck full of arrows. Nothing's real to me. I'm not even sure God's real to me. I'll just stand here for a minute. God, you take care of everything. Let me know when you're done, and then I'll see what I'll do with it. It doesn't work that way. We are a work in motion and a work in process, participating, failing, getting up, falling forward, falling sideways, falling backwards. It gets messy. Sometimes it's not real. We're in a war zone. There's a war going on. We're getting shot at. It's hard. It's heavy. Will we press through? Will we walk in humility in the fear of the Lord? Will we give thanks no matter what? Will we praise his name no matter what? Will we surrender and abandon to his love no matter what? To live this way. I know what it's like not to live this way. I know what it's like to live this way. <laughs> it is the place of immunity. And you can live there too. It's not just for an elite class of sons and daughters, by the way. It is the, it's the portion of every son and daughter. It's the inheritance. It's the inheritance, Ed. It's incredible. Enter in. Don't be spiritual paupers. Start writing checks. There's a lot of money in the bank. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Don't be afraid of being presumptuous. I'm not saying be pre being presumptuous. I'm not saying demanding God. Be a son. Demanding from God. Be a son. Be a daughter. Revel. Surrender. Walk in humility and the fear of the Lord. Give up your idols. Don't look to somebody else for acceptance. Don't, don't set a standard. You've got to be wanted, needed, or belong. Oh, yes. Those are human appetites, though, Right? I've got these human appetites and I need to get them satisfied and until it's real to me that God satisfies them, I guess I'm just stuck. You don't have to be stuck. We can be free. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Notice the order there. Submit to his authority and exercise his authority and drive that worker of the bazaar, that thief. Don't try to figure it out. Sometimes we're thinking, well, is this problem from the devil? Is this sickness from the devil? Is this going on? I don't know. I, until I get it figured out, I guess I, I'll just have to wait. You don't have to wait. We can move at the risk of missing the bullseye. We see in part. I'm not saying being reckless, and I'm not saying precision doesn't matter. But we know one thing for sure, one thing for sure, all sickness eventually does trace back to the fall because there was no sickness in the garden before the fall. Does that mean that every sick sickness in the present, if Scott gets a common cold, heaven forbid, I pray you won't, uh, if, he, if he were, it doesn't mean, oh, it's a demon, it's a demon of cold, come on, gather around, get rid of that demon. Maybe yes, maybe no, but one thing for sure, it all traces back to the fall because that's where sin and death and the demonic influence in people's lives entered the human race. So I'm not saying be obsessed with the enemy. I'm not saying look for a fight, look for a battle. But one thing for sure, if the enemy didn't cause it, he wants to prolong it. And he wants to use it against you, to defeat you, to erode your faith, get you focused on yourself, debilitate you, get you confused. 
And if he can't hammer on you with a direct hit, he'll use somebody else, least, maybe the least suspecting one, to be a tool, an unwilling, unwitting, unknowing tool, perhaps. So how about you? Are you experiencing the bizarre in your life? Relationally, it's just it's like, this is bizarre. When this other person and I get in a discussion or an argument or something, the more we talk about it, the worse it gets. This is bizarre. What is going on here? The bizarre is definitely tied to the enemy. How about fear? He... Jesus has not given us a spirit of fear, but of peace, love, and a sound mind. How about oppression, heaviness? Are you experiencing that? And how about confusion and disorientation? What I'd like to do after I close in prayer <clears throat> is give more opportunity, if you'd be willing, if you would be willing, not trying to put anybody on the spot, but for those of you that are experiencing confusion, or fear, or the bizarre. Let's talk about it, if you'd be willing. We don't have to mention other people's names because we don't want to implicate them in public, do we? But if it's a part of your experience, you can speak for yourself. Let's talk about it. Let's have the Lord put his light, shine his light on it. Let's see it from his point of view, and let's see you, not just I, you, can be free and live with divine immunity. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Add the increase to it. Guide us and lead us during this interactive time. Bless our time. Fill it with revelation. Fill it, Lord, with wisdom and truth. Fill it, Lord, with freedom. Convince us, Lord, we can live this way. More than one thing is true, but we can live with divine immunity. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.